Lukutei Sichais Chelak Yudches, Parshas Chukas Sichagimel. Over the 40 years of journeying in the desert, we had a be'er, a source of water, in the merit of Miriam, and we were protected from the elements by the Anane HaKavid, the clouds of glory in the merit of Aharain. Our sages teach in the Tractate of Tainus that the well then ceased upon her passing, and therefore in chapter 20, Perkhof, verse 2, Pasuk Beis, of this week's Torah portion we read, V'lehoya mayim lo'eda, the community had no water. And so they assembled against Moshe and Aaron. And so too the clouds which were in Aaron's merit left when Aaron passed. And yet the Be'er and the Anani HaKavid did exist after their passing. And the Talmud teaches that in the merit of Moshe, these two things returned. When looking at the Rashi on Pasuk Beis, and Rashi explains the words, that the nation had no water, we see that Rashi quotes the Gemara in Tainus and says, From here we deduce that all 40 years that they had the well in the merit of Miriam. And assumedly Rashi accepts the explanation of our sages. Rashi also applies this opinion to Pasuk Aleph, verse 1 in Perakhof Aleph, chapter 21, which tells us that one of the Canaanite kings heard that Israel had come by the root of the spies and he waged war against Israel. Rashi explains, quoting the words, Vayishma HaKnani, the Knani heard, that the king heard that Aaron had died and that the Anone HaKavit had departed. On the other hand, simultaneously we learn that the well existed after Miriam's death. As the Torah states in chapter 21, Perakhof Aleph, Posuk Tezayin, verse 16, that there was the miracle of Eshed Hanacholim, an overflowing of the streams, and from there to the well, the well of water that Hashem had told Moshe that he would give to the people, for which the nation then sang Shira, Praise to Hashem for the well that flowed, concluding with the words, From the heights to the valley in the field of Moyav, which Rashi then says is where Moshe died and where the well finally ceased, telling us that Rashi accepts the opinion that God returned the well in the merit of Moshe, and assumedly to the Anane HaKavid will returned in Moshe's merit. Because it's not logical to say that Moshe's merit could work only for the well's return, but not for the return of the clouds of glory. That, of course, brings up the question, why does the Torah mention the return of the well in the narrative of the rock and the water? There was no water, and they gathered against Moshe and Aaron, clamoring for water. And then Hashem told Moshe to take his staff and speak to the rock, but from which water flowed, but mentions nothing about the return of the clouds. And Rashi too says nothing about the return of the clouds. So when and how do they return? There's something else that's puzzling. When Miriam died and the water source ceased, the nation clamored for water. But no such clamor is described in Torah after Aaron died and the clouds of glory departed. Why don't we hear of their clamor and complaints from the departure of the Anane HaKavid? 
it would seem that one could suggest that according to the literal intention of the words in the verse, perhaps the clouds of glory never returned after Aaron passed for the simple reason that they no longer needed this. Looking at the verses regarding the clouds, we learn in Rashi's explanation on Pasuk Lamedalid, verse 34, in Perak Yud, in Parshas Baha Aleischa, that the clouds surrounded the nation, four on the four sides, one above, one below, and one in front, so that, one, they were protected from the terrible heat of the sun, two, their clothes were laundered and prepared for continual wear, three, to make the journey pleasant, and four, to smooth away and protect them from danger. But after Aaron died, they didn't need this protection from the clouds because their geographical position, Har Hahar, which is where Aaron died, was on the border of Edom, at the edge of the desert, close to civilization, where the heat and the sun were less intense. Not only geographically did they not need the Ananeha Kavit, but also logistically. The passing of Aaron in the fifth month on the first day was Av, and the sun wasn't as strong in the sky as they were approaching the middle of the month when the sun's strength dwindles. This is no contradiction to Rashi's explanation in Parshas Nayak when Hashem promises to never again bring a flood. Rashi tells us that Choim, the end of the summer season, is half of Av, Elul, and half of Tishrei. Choim, when Hashem promises that he will not wipe out the earth and the seasons. And it's no contradiction because the end of the summer season is more oppressively hot than the summer itself, but it's the air that is oppressively hot, while the direct heat of the sun is actually weaker from the 15th of Av and onwards, as we in fact experience. Regarding our discussion, since until Aaron's death, the cloud protected the nation from the intense heat, after the 15th of Av, they were no longer as necessary. As far as the other purposes served by the clouds, cleaning and preparing their garments for continuous wear, they were near enough to civilization to be able to purchase clothes. The same would be true regarding the clouds that guided their way as they were traveling on smoother and actual roads. They were also therefore not needed to protect them from the elements, from snakes or scorpions. Now, the clouds also flattened the mountains, making their journey in the desert easier. But, says Rashi, in our Torah portion in chapter 20, verse 22, Perakhav Posakhav Beis, three mountains were not flattened. Har Sinai, where Hashem gave the Torah from, Mount Nevoi, Har Nevoi, and Har Hahar. Moshe would be buried on Har Nevoi. And Har Nevoi is the second of the three mentioned. Har Hahar, where Aaron died, was the th- is the third mentioned. So the three mountains are actually mentioned out of order. Miriam had passed, Aaron had passed at Har Hahar, but Moshe is still alive. And they, not, they are not yet at Har Nevei. So this commentary on the cloud not flattening the mountain must mean that the clouds are still with them. But there is an explanation that we can posit, which will still maintain that the clouds didn't reappear. And that is, that the cloud didn't flatten the mountains as Bnei Yisrael arrived. 
but rather the cloud was three days ahead of their arrival to ensure that all would be smooth. So the clouds in reference to Harnavai may not mean that the clouds were returned after Arain's passing as they were no longer needed. However, in actual fact, we must say that the, for the following reasons, the clouds did return to accompany the nation after Aaron's passing as well. To guide the way for them doesn't only refer to ensuring that the desert isn't a stumbling block and to protect the nation from wandering aimlessly or from the elements, but also to guide the nation in the direction that Hashem wants them to follow. As, they were still, as there were still several journeys to be taken after Aaron's passing, the cloud was still necessary. As well, Rashi states explicitly that after Aaron's passing, they actually traveled backwards, going back seven journeys, because the enemy, the Knanim, now thought they could attack. They thought they had permission to attack, as Rashi says, and this set their journey back deeper into the desert where they had been. A third reason is that the clouds protected the nations of Israel from the attacks and wars with the other nations, as Rashi explains in Parshas B'Shalach, in the war with Amalek, that Moshe instructed Yeshua to choose an army and go out and fight against Amalek. Go out, says Rashi, means go out of the cloud to fight. In other words, as long as the clouds were surrounding the nation, they were protected from the weapons of the enemies. Immediately after Aaron's passing, the Canaanim saw that the clouds were gone and attacked under the impression that now they had permission to attack the nation of Israel. Surely protection was needed in this battle as well. A fourth reason would be the function of the clouds during the 42 years in the desert. This was not only to guide the way, but also to indicate when and for how long to journey and when and for how long to rest. This was needed until they entered Eretz Yisrael. And a fifth and final reason for the opinion that the clouds were returned after Aaron's passing is the instruction Hashem gave to Moshe after the nation sinned with a Peor idol. And this was after Aaron's passing, to hang the leaders of the people, those who worshipped the idol, to hang them before the sun so that all could see. Rashi says, quoting Medrash Tanchoma, that the clouds rolled back and let the sun shine through in such a way that the sinners were identified. So we have five reasons why the clouds must have returned, but the Torah doesn't mention this at all. And we don't see that the nation became perturbed or disturbed by the fact that the clouds were gone. The answer to this will be understood by first expounding upon the two terms Rashi uses for the clouds. Sometimes Rashi says Anone Kovid, clouds of glory. Sometimes Rashi says just Anonim, clouds. We find this as well in the Midrashic commentaries of Chazal that speak about the seven clouds. Sometimes it's phrased as Shiva Anonim Hoyu, there were seven clouds. And sometimes it's phrased as Shiva Anone Kovid Hoyu, there were seven clouds of glory. Rashi chooses the phrase Shiva Anonim, seven clouds. And there's a reason for this. There's a difference between just clouds and clouds of glory. The clouds of glory were a visual expression of the nation's honor. In other words, 
These were the clouds whose function was to protect and provide, there were clouds whose function was to protect and provide the needs of the nation with an ensuing result that God's honor for B'nai Yisrael and the honor of B'nai Yisrael could be seen. But there were additional clouds with the sole purpose of making the world aware of the way in which Hashem honors the nation. Hence, not all the clouds were anane covered. The clouds that lowered the mountain, that protected the people from the desert environment, were not anane covered. The clouds that protected everyone from the heat of the sun and from enemies at war were not the anane covered. They were rather there to ensure the needs of the people. Rashi refers to these clouds as just anon, just clouds. In all these places, Rashi says only anon. In the verse mentioned earlier, when Moshe instructs Yeshua to take men and go out and fight Amalek, Rashi explains the words, go fight Amalek as say min ha'anon, go out of the cloud. In the Torah portion of Yisrael, Moshe is instructed by God to tell the nation, you saw how I bore you on eagles' wings, which Rashi explains as the cloud protecting the people from arrows. Vahanon mikablam, the cloud absorbed the arrows. Rashi's explanation that the cloud went ahead of the nation and even the mountain, the term Rashi uses is shahanon hoylech lefnehem. The cloud preceded them. And when the cloud folded, causing the sun to shine on the sinners of Pa'or, Rashi says, Ha'anon nikpal, the, the cloud folded. And then there is the description of the clouds that departed with Aaron's passing. And Rashi explains that the Canaanite king of Arad, in fact a reference to Amalek, attacked. And Rashi says, Ukisavur shenitna rishus he thought he has permission, like free reign, to go to war with Israel. Because nistalku anone hakaveh, the clouds of glory departed. It was only the clouds that had the task of expressing the glory of B'nai Yisrael, but not the clouds that facilitated their needs. Those clouds did not depart, and the anone kaveh did not return, as we understand in the verses, and therefore the nation wasn't vexed about the clouds leaving, as they were regarding the, dis the departure of Miriam's well. This also helps us answer the question of the Re'im, Rabbeinu Eliyahu Mizrahi, a primary commentator on Rashi, who asks the following. The clouds were on four sides, and one above and one below. Sukkah represents the clouds in the desert, all-encompassing, as Rashi explains. So why is the halacha of sukkah, that two full walls and an additional tefach of wall, is sufficient? And we can add, why isn't there a commemoration in the sukkah of the cloud that went ahead of them? And so we now know that the clouds that we remember by sitting in the sukkah are the clouds of glory, the clouds that serve the purpose of expressing the glory of B'nai Yisrael. But the cloud that was ahead of them and a, portion, and a portion of the others served to facilitate the needs of the nation. Therefore, the number of walls in the sukkah aren't associated with the number of clouds of glory, particularly as the needs for the clouds changed 
as they traveled. Like when on a journey where protection wasn't required, the cloud that traveled with them was a cloud of glory. The phrase Rashi uses in regards to Amalek going to war against the nation after Aaron's passing, he thought he now had permission to go to war, can now also be understood in this context. The clouds that protected them made it impossible to wage war. Perhaps Rashi should have said, and now he saw it was possible because the clouds departed. But it wasn't the protective clouds that departed, it was the Anone HaKoved. And seeing that, Amalek thought, Hashem's glory is no longer expressing such honor to Bnei Yisrael, and so he had permission to attack. This didn't impact the possibility, it impacted the opportunity. And he brazenly assumed that they would leave the protection of the cloud to fight with him. Again, we're talking about Amalek, who already has a history of this behavior as far back as when we left Egypt, and Amalek attacked those who were the sinners of the Jewish nation, who were stragglers at the rear of the traveling nation. Rashi explains that they had been expelled from the cloud. The cloud expelled them for their sinful behavior. When all the other nations were in awe of Bnei Yisrael and afraid to fight, Amalek pounced without assuming if they could actually be victorious because of the cloud's protection, and so too here after Aaron's passing. So when we talk about the difference between the Anane covered in the regular clouds that facilitated the needs of the nation, a question arises. In Parshas Akev, where Moshe is speaking to the nation before parting with them, Moshe reviews the events of the desert, reminding them that the clouds in the desert rubbed their clothes clean. Rashi, in explaining the text, actually says, The clouds of glory rubbed clean their clothes. And in short, Rashi continues, that their children's clothes grew with them. Now these seem to be tasks suited to the Anonim, the clouds that facilitated the needs of the nation, rather than the Anone HaKoved. In fact, though, there is no question here. Rashi speaks of the miracle of the children's clothes growing with them, because once Rashi mentions that the adults' clothes were maintained miraculously by the Anone HaKoved, one would question the status of the children's clothes. And so Rashi answers that question. But the whole thing is one big miracle. And it was the Anone HaKoved because the point was to ensure the honor of the nation. They could, of course, have seen to cleaning their own garments. They, after all, had the water from the Be'er of Miriam. They could have worn the garments they brought out of Egypt with them, or even woven new ones from the wool of the sheep they had with them. Or, as they traveled near more populated areas, they could have purchased clothes. They could have. But the Anone Kaved ensured that they didn't need to bother with this as a sign of honor and how dear they were to God. We're still, however, left with a question regarding the Be'er, the source of water which departed with Miriam. It returned in Moshe's merit and then departed with Moshe's passing forever. Why didn't the clouds of glory also return in Moshe's merit after Aaron's passing? Moshe, as a faithful shepherd of Bnei Yisrael, ensured that the nation had everything they needed when they needed it. This was unlike what they received from Aharon and from Miriam, 
the miracle of the well from Miriam, and the miracle of the Anane HaKaved in the merit of the greatness of Aaron. With the passing of the merit of Miriam and Aaron, when they were gone, the well and the clouds of glory were gone too. But when Moshe died and the Be'er finally left them, they were no longer in need of water, as they were at the Jordan River and had plenty of water. But when the Mun ceased with Moshe's passing, they still needed Mun. And so that last time that the Mun descended from heaven on Zion Adar, the day of Moshe's passing, enough Mun fell to last them until they were able to bring a carbon Omer, the Omer sacrifice, over a month later on the 16th of the month of Nisan. This is a profound and deep lesson and reflects on all of the Rabbeim in every generation, even after the Histalkos, they're passing from this world. When we with fleshly eyes cannot openly see their continued presence and influence. Just as after Moshe passed, a spectator would say that the Mun has ceased to fall. But in fact, Mun remained to sustain them, as there is a fast and strong and well-known absolute in our lives the Navi never parts. Excuse me, the Nasi never parts from his flock. We aren't saying that this is a case of standing on high and tending to us, something that we can't see with human vision. Rather, everything that was done and achieved for Yidin in the lifetime of the Nasim, here in this earthly domain, is ongoing and continues to be sustained by their actions even after their passing from this world. This too is the unique connection of our discussion in the Parsha with the Chag HaGeula, the Day of Redemption of the Friyadik Rebbe on Yud Beis Yud Gimel Tammuz, which is celebrated often in the week of Shabbos Parshas Chukas, from which the week that follows is blessed. This is the very idea that is expressed in the release of the Friyadik Rebbe. It is clearly seen how the victory of Yud Beis Yud Gimel Tammuz in those days affected a strengthening of Torah and a spreading of Yiddishkeit even in that country, a country where Judaism was a crime against the government. And that effect continues until today and has affected the establishing of three generations of observant Torah Jews in that very country a true fulfillment of the Torah's determination, that when this is ongoing for three generations, it will ne never leave you, your children, and their children forever. And beyond this, we see that even Jews who were cut off from Torah and Judaism for generations, because of the severe circumstances in that country, are until today reaping the benefit and receiving from the influence of the Friedrich Rebbe's release. And it awakens them to tshuva and to a return to a life of Torah and Yiddishkeit. And with the right actions taken in connection with the Chag HaGeula, the strengthening of Torah and Yiddishkeit, and with outreach to all, particularly reaching out with Hasidus, spreading the wellsprings outwardly far and wide, we will bring the revelation of Mashiach speedily now. Amen.